it is a time of treachery and deceit. Surrounded by enemies who swear that safe passage will be given to all who leave, Guru Gobind Singh leads his Sikhs and his family out of the fortified city of Anandpur. Tragedy after tragedy strikes. The Guru breathes eternal life into the faith of Guru Nanak. I'm co-producer Erica Wong. Before we begin the episode, we have a favor to ask of you. If you find this work compelling, please be sure to rate it and write a short review. That will definitely help us get the podcast to a wider audience. जिस दम हुए चमकौर में सिंघों के उतारे झल्लाए हुए शेर थे सब गैज के मारे आंखों से निकलते थे दिलेरों के शरारे सतगुरु के सिवा और गजबनाक थे सारे गुस्से से नजर जाती थी अफवाज अदू पर तेगे से निगाह पड़ती थी दुश्मन के गलू पर On this day Chamkor with lions does team furious and fretful does every lion seem fearless eyes rain fire with embers they gleam save the guru everyone anger fury steam eyes are fixed upon their foes with anger extreme glances are like daggers to sever heads they scheme जब दूर से दरिया के किनारे नजर आए डूबे हुए सरसा में प्यारे नजर आए ये देख के बिगड़े हुए सारे नजर आए बिफरे हुए सतगुर के दुलारे नजर आए कहते थे इजाजत ही नहीं है हमें रण की मिट्टी तक उड़ा सकते हैं दुश्मन के चमन की Somewhere in the distance river banks are seen drowned in the water beloved ones have been piteous woeful and blighted sorrowful the scene the children of the guru furious and keen give us leave to battle let us vent our spleen the soil even will scatter of the enemy's garden green तूफान जदा दरिया को अभी पार करेंगे ठोकर से हर एक मौज को हमवार करेंगे बद अहद सितमगरों को पैकार करेंगे हम दोनों ही दस लाख को फिनार करेंगे दादी है किधर माई किधर भाई कहाँ हैं आंखों से कई खाल से प्यारे भी नहीं हैं दिस रोरिंग रिवर स्टोरमी वी विल क्रॉस राइट नाउ every wave we will withstand and tame it it's our vow treacherous oppressors we will fight anyhow millions we will set alight we will make them bow matriarch and mother brothers scattered too followers beloved there are just left a few dhokha diya har singh ko paimashik no ne बे मेहरों ने बे धर्मों ने ईमान शिकनों ने जब इतना कहा जुल दिया एहसान शिकनों ने पहचान पे बल डाले परेशान शिकनों ने ये चीब जबी लहर या शीशे में पड़ी थी माथे पे पसीना था या अफशासी जड़ी थी Every lion cheated by oathbreaker and knave in them no love or righteousness dishonestly behave 
ingrates and betrayers, perfidy so grave, brows wrinkled and fretful, trouble such they gave. Is it the brow that's wrinkled? Is it the mirror's flaw? Was the brow just sweaty? Drops inlaid we saw. Itne me mukhatib hue sat gur guru gobind, wo sabir aur shakir wo bahadur guru gobind, raste me gama aaye the do dur guru gobind, ye gam ki jagah shanti se pur guru gobind, furmaye wo sab se nahi mauka ye gazab ka, pura yahi kal hoga irada mere rab ka. In the midst of this, the guru finally does speak. Patient, ever grateful, not a trace of peak, loss of two pearls precious, bath unkind did reek. Calm, he is not sorrowful, such is his mystique. This is not time for anger, declares the master one. Upon us will be morrow, may God's will be done. Jis khitte mein hum kehte the aana ye wahi hai, कल लुट के है जिस जगह से जाना ये वही है जिस जहां पे है बच्चों को कटाना ये वही है मट्टी कह देती है ठिकाना ये वही है डेस्टिन आई सेड वी वर टू गो दिस इज दैट वेरी प्लेस कैलामिटी टुमारो दिस इज दैट वेरी प्लेस वेयर हैक्ट विल बी माय साइंस दिस इज दैट वेरी प्लेस आवर फाइनल रेस्ट द अर्थ प्रोक्लेम्स दिस इज दैट वेरी प्लेस These are the opening lines of Ganje Shahida, a Marcia or elegiac poem written by the late 19th century poet Allah Yar Khan Jogi. In his work, the poet describes the battle of Chimkor, where a small band of Guru Gobind Singh's followers held a large combined force of the Mughals and the hill rajas at bay. until many of the six including the guru's older sons baba ajit singh and baba jujhar singh were martyred Anandpur was ebullient after the creation of the Khalsa. 20,000 had been initiated on the glorious Vaisakhi day of 1699. The ceremonies of initiation continued and the ranks of the Khalsa with their very visible identity started to swell. The swagger in the step of the six which had become more pronounced after the creation of the Khalsa created great alarm around Anandpur which was ringed by small hindu kingdoms the hill rajas as the rulers of these kingdoms came to be known had always been suspicious of guru gobind singh and jealous of his increasing power and glory the creation of the khalsa brought matters to a head the raja of kahlur bhimchand in whose territory anandpur lay decided to seize the initiative 
He confabulated with his fellow Rajas and they decided that it was time to eject Guru Gobind Singh and his Sikhs from Anandpur. Bhim Chand started harassing Guru Gobind Singh and demanding rent for the land that he and his followers occupied. When the Guru politely pointed out that the land was owned by him, as his father, Guru Teg Bahadur, had purchased it and no rent was due, Bhim Chand, along with the Raja of Handur, besieged Anandpur in an attempt to cut off supplies to the community. Ajit Singh, the Guru's oldest son, then a hardy lad of 14, led groups of Sikhs who would sally forth to break the blockade successfully. Their pride humbled, the Rajas of Kehlur and Handur brought a cow in chains to the Guru as a symbol of their submission and asked him to leave Anandpur temporarily in the interest of letting them save face. In the words of Senapati from the Sri Gursoba, Ek an satgur ko dije, tabe thav apni kar lije, go bandhi daav teh gayo, chhado gaam benti e kayo, sarvan sunat gobind singh daate, chhadi thor kariye baate, pur nimro ki no bisrama, bheji fauj hanan ko grama. The kings before the guru bow. Mercy, Lord, for we did seed. They bring in chains a holy cow, a fig leaf, Lord, they beg and plead. The Guru benign, he hears their plea. Anandpur then we shall forsake. Nimro our halting place will be. Hamlet of Hanan home we'll make. Of course, getting the Guru to leave the fortified town of Anandpur was just a stratagem and the hill rajas were intent on treachery. The villages around Nimro were occupied by the forces of Raja Bhimchand and a fierce battle was fought in which the forces of the hill rajas were defeated yet again. One of the Guru's beloved Sikhs, Saib Chand, one of the heroes of the Battle of Pangani, was slain. The demoralized hill chiefs came to the conclusion that they could no longer take the Sikhs on by themselves. They petitioned the Mughal emperor, their overlord, for help. The Fajdar or commander of Sarand was commanded to march upon Nimro to help the hill rajas defeat the Guru. A pitched battle was fought that lasted almost 24 hours. Senapati provides a very vivid and lyrical description of the Battle of Nimro. Ghayal ghumat hai rad mein jo lare kar jor kiyo ghan sara, jhumat sur gire dhar pe, jo pareo ran jor maha bikrara, sron chaleo tin ke tan te, jo dhari chhab yo kar loth kinara, jo ghan te barkha barkhe, जो चलेओ प्रवाह रक्त की धारा खेलत सूर महारन में बन में मनो श्याम जी फाग मचायो दौरत सूर लियो कर में पिचकारन सो जो बंदूक चलायो श्रोणत धार चली तिन को तन ते मनो लाल गुलाल लगायो बागे बने तिन को तन लाल मनो रंग रेज रंगे रंग ले आयो जोदन जुद्ध रचो रण में बल में मनो श्याम जी रास मचाए बाजे बजे रण में जो वेई अर नाचत गिद्ध सरोज सुनाए 
जूजत सूर महारण में मानो देखत रास उन्हीं देसे आए लाल निहाली की सेज कियो धर सोवत सूर पलंग बिताए Wounded in the battle twirl, warriors fight with all their might. Stagger heroes to the earth, met with force in savage fight. From their bodies fountain red, sideways they fall to the ground. Torrent pouring from dark clouds, streams of blood are all around. In excitement warriors fight, like the god Krishna at play, as if they had water guns, with them fiercely bullet spray. Bodies bathed in blood so red, celebration colorful day, robes one white are now bright red, lovely dyed in colors gay, battle fierce the warriors dance, Krishna twirls in elegant flight, Trumpets sound a clarion call, vultures sing odes to the fight, drunkenly the warriors sway, caressing as they have been, motionless on red earth lay, as if asleep on beds they're seen. When the fighting was over, Once again, the Guru and his forces had prevailed. The treachery of the hill rajas was more apparent than it had ever been. The Guru decided to return to the fortifications of Anandpur. After several more skirmishes with the armies of the hill rajas, the Sikhs were back in Anandpur around mid-year in 1702. of relative calm followed during which the guru focused on strengthening the fortifications in and around Anandpur jubilant Sikhs in ever increasing numbers started flocking to Anandpur which placed heavy demands on infrastructure and supplies Sikhs began asserting a greater influence in surrounding villages levying taxes and openly flouting the authority of Raja Bhim Chand and the other hill chiefs The presence of the Sikhs at Anandpur had always irked the hill rajas and they had been smarting at the defeats they had suffered in the battles of the past. Once again, a coalition was formed to oust the guru and his followers from Anandpur. The hill rajas sent an ultimatum to the guru and when it went unheeded, attacked Anandpur again with their combined forces. The direct assault was a disaster. The Guru had deployed cannons, which were used by the Sikhs to devastating effect. Small bands of Sikhs would sally forth from Anandpur and with swift attacks wreak havoc among the forces of the hill rajas. Once it became apparent that the Sikhs were too powerful to be dislodged, the hill rajas decided to appeal to their Mughal overlord again. In the Tarikh Guru Khalsa, Gani Gyan Singh provides the text of their letter. It is presented here in translation. O gracious sanctuary, whose writ runs in both worlds, we would like to submit to you 
that there was once Guru Nanak Shah Fakir in Punjab, who Hindus and Muslims alike revered as a great holy man. His ninth successor, Guru Tegh Bahadur, was dispatched by your eminence in Delhi. Now his son, Guru Gobind Singh, is arming himself and getting ready to avenge his father's execution. He has even created a dangerous new militant order called the Khalsa. These men can go without food, but not without battle. Our kingdoms have been plundered and left destitute by these thugs. From all over Punjab, and indeed all over Hindustan, bandits, thugs, thieves, and rascals are flocking to his side. All over the Punjab, the common people have started making over a tenth of their earnings to him, and they are ready to sacrifice their lives for him in battle. We have made several attempts to defeat him, but we have been unsuccessful. In fact, we have even made a few attempts to evict him with the help of your governor in Sirand. But this evil man, through sorcery and black magic, has always prevailed. We are now fearful that you will be his next target. It is apparent that he is girding up for a confrontation and will launch a rebellion by attacking Delhi. We feel that it is in your best interest to bring him to heel quickly. If he is left unchecked, who knows how this will end. The letter had its desired effect. A warrant for Guru Gobind Singh's arrest was quickly sent to Vazir Khan, the Mughal governor of Sarand, a force 20,000 strong under the command of Amir Khan, Nazabat Khan, Saeed Khan, Ramzan Khan, and Dina Beg Khan was dispatched to Anandpur. The hill rajas readied their troops to join the impending battle and also hastened to recruit Gujar and Rangar tribesmen with promises of rich rewards and plunder. forces of the hill rajas and the Mughals launched a frontal assault on Anandpur, the Anandgarh fort was well prepared and a barrage of cannon fire greeted the invading force. Senapati was there. ਭਲੀਬਾਤ होत है छाती के पाट पड़के या बिद्ध सोता गोली चले 
टिक है नहीं सूरमा ताही के धक्के राजन को असवान गए जब आनंद ते तोप छुड़के Then the kings they make a plan forces gathered all around all their soldiers single force the fort entire they do surround to the guru epistle send odd belligerent plea leave the fort anandgarh all will be well you'll see the guru issues his command in every way prepared his men all around they are deployed bloody carnage it starts then stratagem the kings have made the guru's fort their forces ring and from all directions for assault begins the soldiers spring thundering clouds of cannon fire every face such terror showed targets stricken hit the ground torn asunder chests explode fearsome force of cannon ball not one warrior can withstand kings in disarray despair in the face of cannonade grand the first attack had been repulsed and skirmishes continued for several days small bands of six would emerge from the fort and wreak havoc among the ranks of the demoralized enemy soldiers the combined force however was too large and the six were unable to dislodge it the hill rajas and the mughal commanders held a war council and it was determined that since the six were too fierce to subdue a better strategy would be to lay a siege and starve the guru and his followers into submission the long siege began The blockade of Anandpur was highly successful and the stock of food and water rapidly started to dwindle. Grain was selling at the astronomical price of a rupee a kilo and soon even the wealthy could find none to purchase. Groups of desperate Sikhs tried to break the blockade, taking heavy casualties and meeting with very limited success. the guru tried to keep the morale of his followers high but the circumstances were dire and many were on the verge of starvation finally the spirit of the six seemed to be breaking isi bhat kai din gaye nagar log thaade sab bhaye dar ke aage kari pukara an bina jiyo jaye hamara dekho ye hawal ab bhayo रहे सुहाड़ चाम उड़ गयो बिन भोजन जीवन अब नाही सो भी जहें सांझ सुभाही ए बिद नगर सबै हट गयो ता समय प्रभु जी ने इम कहयो केतक दिन तुम और बितावो फिर मन इच्छे भोजन खावो द सिक्स ड्रिवन टू डेस्परेशन बाय हंगर and unable to bear the sight of their starving children any more entreated the guru the hill rajas cannot tolerate our presence here lord if we leave they will let us go unmolested they just want their territory back besides the mughal commanders have also made several offers of safe passage to anyone who leaves the fort let us not starve to death here let us leave and regroup so that we can fight back another day chade te anand gad hot beer sangram bade singh jodha bali te jujhe te than 
सब सिखन ऐसे कहयो बुरा होत नह कोए छाड़ चलो आनंदगढ़ भली बात सो होए the guru shook his head at the naivete of his followers and tried to persuade them to hold out disappointed at the stubbornness of some of the sikhs who seemed to be hell bent on leaving the guru after reflecting for a moment spoke gravely satgur kahi suno bid sai bura hot tumre sir bhai yo sab so tuhd likhwave ho taiyar tabe farmaye नगर भयो ए भांत तैयारा बांधे बोझ लिए सिर भारा समा सबे कूच का कीनो आपन बोझ आप सिर लीनो समा सबे कूच का कीना सिंगन बाट खजाना दीना सबन पांच हथियार बधाए सिंग सूर बण सब आए द गुरु ग्रेवली वर्ड्स देन स्पीक्स दिस देन शैल बी ऑन योर हेड first in writing abrogate prepare to leave then go ahead the city now it will be fled chattel gathered in great haste as each man readies to leave on every head is burden placed as the six prepare to leave the guru gives his wealth away warriors are armed to the teeth eager prepared to join the fray here senapati is most likely referring to the 40 warriors from the region known as the majja who somewhat shamefaced submitted their decision to leave the guru's side in writing as he had instructed they left the fort eyes downcast burning with shame at their own cravenness little did they know that their day of redemption would come और बस्त जेती हुती दीनी सबह जलाए छोड़ चले आनंदगढ़ निमख बिलम ना लाए एवरीथिंग एल्स दैट रिमेन द गुरु ऑर्डर्ड सेट अलाइट आनंदपुर द सिक्स अबैंडन्ड इन मच हेस्ट वाज मेड द फ्लाइट इट वाज द ट्वेंटी फर्स्ट ऑफ दिसंबर इन द ईयर सेवेंटीन हंड्रेड एंड फोर As the guru had predicted the retreat from the fortified town of Anandpur was an unmitigated disaster the hill rajas who had tasted the steel of the six more than once were content to let them leave but the mogul forces had different orders they had been instructed to destroy the guru and his followers they gathered all their forces including the armies of the hill rajas and gave chase the offers of safe passage had been nothing but a ploy designed to get the sikhs to leave the fortifications of anandpur they caught up with the sikhs near a hillock known as shah tibbi close to kiratpur a fierce skirmish broke out on the banks of the sarsa river a small contingent of sikh warriors led by uday singh stayed behind to confront the mughal army the guru accompanied by his two older sons ajit singh and jajar singh and a small band of sikhs crossed the sirsa the rest of this family was scattered mata sundari the guru's wife was escorted to safety by pai mani singh and ended up in delhi the guru's mother mata gujri along with her two younger grandsons fateh singh and zorawar singh 
were escorted by the Guru's servant Gangu to his village Murinda. As an important side note, a huge body of precious writings, the bulk of the literary output of the Anandpur court was lost in the Sirsa River as the Sikhs tried to escape the large attacking force. The body of literature was known as the Vidya Sagar Granth and apparently weighed more than 300 kilos. It was truly an irreparable loss. As the valiant Uday Singh and his men tried to hold the invaders at bay, the Guru and a small band made their way to Chumkor, a small nearby town in the marshlands close to the Sutlej. We now turn to Pai Veer Singh's account, presented in his work Kalgithar Chamatkar, translated from the original Punjabi. There was a little hillock in Chumkor on which stood a large mud-walled mansion that was owned by two brothers, one powerful and bold and the other timid and weak. When the Guru arrived at the mansion, the owners were summoned. You shall not enter, thundered the bold brother. The timid one, however, said, We are in need of money. Pay us and the mansion is yours. The brothers were paid and the gates were flung open. The six streamed into the mansion and started taking up defensive positions. Groups of eight archers and marksmen were positioned on each wing, ready to shower bullets and arrows upon the invaders whose arrival was imminent. Along with Pai Daya Singh, one of the Panj Pyare or Five Beloved Ones, the Guru with his sons positioned himself on the upper floor. Pai Kotha Singh and Pai Madan Singh were given guns and tasked with guarding the door. Thus, all 40 men who had accompanied the Guru to Chumkor were deployed to defend the mansion. The face of the Guru, who had always been the epitome of valor, calm, and optimism, did not show even a trace of anxiety. Night had fallen by the time all the preparations had been made, a watch was posted throughout the night, and everyone took a turn, including the Guru and his sons. At the glimmer of dawn, the chanting of Asadivar started. Meanwhile, the Mughal force had got wind of the Guru's whereabouts and was steadily advancing towards Chumkor. The force that had sworn on the Holy Quran that it would provide safe passage to the Sikhs had gone back on its word. The swarm of locusts that included the hillmen, Gujar and Rangar tribesmen, the commander of Lahore, the commander of Sarand, Afghan and Turk chiefs like the Nawab of Malir Kotla were readying for battle. Inside the mansion, Man Singh and Alam Singh were patrolling downstairs, while upstairs the archers and marksmen were getting ready to engage the enemy. As the Mughal force advanced upon the mansion, dreaming of an easy victory, they were met with a ferocious hail of arrows and bullets as clouds of gunsmoke swirled. So fierce was the fusillade that the huge force retreated in confusion. After they had regrouped, the invaders tried a different tack. They infiltrated the houses surrounding the mansion and tried to launch themselves upon its walls from the houses. 
The defenders picked them off easily and a terrible slaughter ensued. Raja Pimchand and the Mughal commanders went into a huddle to chalk out a new plan of attack. The ferocious resistance was cause for great consternation, as the invaders had been told that there were only a handful of men inside. Rumors began to fly that the defenders had been reinforced by a large contingent of six who had arrived under the cover of night, singing hymns and ready to join the battle. One of the Mughal commanders, Khizr Khan, reflected that dislodging the Guru would not be an easy task. Had he, after all, not resisted them for months at Anandpur, his spirit was unbroken, and there was no reason to assume that he would cave in now. He was a formidable warrior who was fueled by the righteousness of his cause. Several more attempts to storm the mansion resulted in failure, and by nightfall, the attacking force was thoroughly demoralized. Khaja Khizr Khan rallied some of his fiercest warriors, such as Gulsher Khan and Nahar Khan, and mounted a furious attack on the fortified mansion. Guru Gobind Singh himself wrote this account of the attack in the Zafarnama, or Epistle of Victory, that he was to send to the Emperor Aurangzeb later. I have drawn upon Gyanin Narayan Singh's Persian to Punjabi translation of the Zafarnama. Berang Magas Siyah Pusha Madand, Beyek Borigi Dar Hurusha Madand. Black clad warriors buzzing swarm, clamoring rush to do us harm. Haran Kast the Divar Ahmad Burun, Behordane Yek Tir Shodrarahun. Over the wall your warriors flood, our arrows fly, they're drenched in blood. Kebirun Nayamad Kast Zan Divar, Nahordan Tiro Nagashtan Har. And those who did not scale the wall, harmed or not, we spare them all. Chodidam ke nahar biyamad be jang, cheshide yeki tiraman biderang. At their head nahar khan proud, arrow flies he meets his shroud. Hamakhar gorizad be jay masaf, basi khanan khordand birun gazaf. Lusty warriors, braggarts bold, run for their lives if truth be told. A mighty Khan we now do heed, rushes bravely, fearsome speed. Behind him come fighters a slew, cautious some, some reckless too. بسی حمله کردند بسی زخم خورد دو کس را به جان کشت و جان هم سپرد onslaught fierce then two are slain dispatched the khan his charge in vain هم آخر بسی زخم تیر و تفنگ دو سو بسی کشته شد بیدرنگ arrow stream and bullets fly heaps of dead thus by and by بسی بان باری تیر و تفنگ زمین گشت همچو گل لال رنگ Swords and arrows, blood is shed, blood-soaked earth, a poppy red. Strewn the earth will head and limb, charnel house, macabre, grim. 
برآمد یکی هو از جهان fearsome din of battle loud anguish cry warriors once proud دگر شورش کیبر کینکش ز مردان مردان برون رفت هوش cacophonous weapons many kinds heroes mighty lose their minds هماخر چه مردی کند کارزار که بر چهل تن آیدش بیشمار The bravest will be put to sword when faced are forty with a horde. We now turn to Gani Gyansing's account from Thwarikuru Khalsa. The situation inside the mansion was becoming dire as the defenders were running out of arrows and bullets. Bai Himmat Singh, one of the Panjpiarish, sought the Guru's permission to engage the enemy outside the mansion. A band of twenty... Led by Himmat Singh, swords in hand, roaring like lions, leaped from the ramparts of the mansion and launched themselves at the invaders. Impressed by the bravery of the small band of six, the commanders Wajid Khan and Zabardast Khan chivalrously instructed their archers and marksmen to desist, and instead ordered their men to engage the six with swords. Daunted, several Mughal troops retreated from the fierce onslaught, but their bravest warriors rallied and began to engage the Sikhs in single combat. As the Sikhs, who knew that they were courting martyrdom, started massacring the Mughal troops willy-nilly, all rules of chivalry were forgotten, and hundreds of men swarmed the little band. By Himmat Singh and his Sikhs, shoulder to shoulder in a compact formation fought with such ferocity that the battle-hardened Mughal commanders were aghast. The Mughals were vastly superior in number and the end was inevitable. Surrounded by the bloody corpses of hundreds of foes that they had dispatched, by Himmat Singh and his men were martyred. The Guru's 18-year-old son, Sahib Zada Ajit Singh approached and sought permission to engage the enemy. The Guru looked at his oldest with undisguised pride and blessed him. In his band of ten were Pai Mukham Singh, also one of the Panjpiare, Ishar Singh, Deva Singh, Kirta Singh, Mohar Singh, Nand Singh, Lal Singh, and Kesari Singh. Swords in hand... The name of the timeless on their lips, they fell upon the enemy like panthers on the hunt. Once again, steel clashed with steel. The six, all adept in the martial arts, dazzled their enemies with a furious show of swordsmanship, effortlessly parrying their blows with their shields and rapidly counterattacking. Some of the bravest Mughal warriors, among them, Mirza Tahir Beg, Noor Khan, and Zafar Ali Khan warily approached the little band. The Guru was watching the unequal battle from his position in the mansion. The Mughal commanders Nazim Khan and Zabardast Khan were also watching from a hillock that they had occupied. Sahibzada Ajit Singh's flashing sword twirled, slicing through muscle and bone like a machete slices through a bunch of bananas. The battlefield echoed with cries of wonderment, even as the enemy soldiers paused, dazzled by the spectacle of the young hero in battle. Hopelessly outnumbered, 
the little band of six led by the Saibzada advanced, almost seeming to revel in every cut they received, fiercely attacking their enemy with devastating force until they were finally overcome. Each Sikh lay on the blood-soaked earth, which had become their place of eternal slumber, their heads on pillows of bone and gristle. The 14-year-old Saibzada Jujhar Singh now stepped up to his father and begged permission to join the battle. The guru beamed and said, I expect nothing less from you, my son. Go forth with my blessing and discharge your righteous duty. The young princeling was joined by eight other warriors, including Alam Singh and Saib Singh, all ready to make the ultimate sacrifice. A prayer or ardas was said, and the band of warriors, armed to their teeth, went to the ramparts of the mansion ready to join the fray. The 14-year-old lad faltered a little when he saw the sea of flashing swords outside the mansion. His throat constricted and dried, prompting him to ask for water. My son, spoke the guru, the water that will slake your thirst is here no more. The gods themselves await you, and they shall quench your thirst. Join the battle, my son. Your valiant brother is anxiously waiting for you. The surviving six wept openly as they heard the guru's words. Saibzada Jujhar Singh, his resolve redoubled, back ramrod straight, his small band behind him descended upon the dark cloud that was the enemy force like a bolt of lightning. Asmat Khan, Bahadur Khan, Nahar Khan, Pulad Khan, Sultan Beg Hassan Beg, and several other brave Mughal warriors awaited, mounted on steeds leading a force of thousands. The Saibzada and his Sikhs attacked, their swords flashing, and within minutes the body started to pile up. His thirst forgotten, the Saibzada fought bravely, his consciousness fixed on his older brother's valor. Dazzled by the Saibzada's bravery, the great heroes among the Mughals just stood and watched, exclaiming in wonderment. The rest of the force relentlessly pressed against the little band, more than fifty swords converging on each thick. Soon, it was all over. Saibzada Jujhar Singh and his men had found their final repose on the blood-soaked earth of Chamkor. Along with Pai Daya Singh and Pai Taram Singh, the last of the surviving Panjipyare, the Guru watched the battle from his position in the mansion with complete equanimity. When it was over, he sat silently in prayer, grateful that his older sons and his beloved Sikhs were now with the Almighty, having discharged their righteous duty bravely in the face of impossible odds. He was a father. Who would have blamed him for grieving? But on his lips were heard only words of praise.
Night had fallen, and inside the mansion there were just seven or eight six left. The rest had perished in battle. Pai Taram Singh and Pai Daya Singh entreated the Guru, Leave the mansion, my lord. You have to survive, because the Khalsa lives and dies with you. The Guru just laughed and said, The only thing I will succumb to is divine will. Do you think this army can harm me unless he decrees it? On his face was a glow of pride. He did not look anything like a man who had just lost two beloved sons. Once again, a formidable host had assembled outside the mansion ready to storm it. At its head were warriors such as Khaja Khizr Khan, Najib Khan Jalandri, Usman Khan Kasauri, Dilawar Khan Lahori, and Samund Khan, the Guru unleashed a deadly barrage of arrows that wreaked havoc in their ranks and caused them to flee in disarray. The Mughal commanders that were still standing went into a huddle. What is the point of letting our men be picked off like this in the twilight? There cannot be more than a handful of defenders left. In the morning, we will scale the walls of the mansion with ladders and put an end to this. Guards were posted all around the mansion, and the Mughals soon had campfires going to cook their evening meal. As they huddled together, Zabardast Khan could not help expressing grudging admiration for the Guru's resolve and his equanimity in the face of the tragedy that had befallen him. It was a seminal moment in the history of the Sikh faith. We now turn to the account by the poet Santok Singh from his work, Sri Gurpratap Suraj Granth, and Pai Veer Singh's soaring rhetoric from Kalgi Dharjamatkar. Sandhya bhai bibhikhna bolat brindgumai, panch beer gurtir tab tinko nam sunai. An ominous dusk upon them, howling jackals call. To the Guru hark the five, their names I can recall. Daya Singh, Artaram Singh, Ji Maan Singh, Tijobar Beer, Sangat Singh, Sant Singh Pancham, Tino Bithayo Dekar Dheer. Daya Singh and Dharam Singh, the third is the mighty Maan Singh Brave. Sangat Singh and Sant Singh found seats by the Guru Dev. The five addressed the Guru with love but also with resolve. We have never strayed from your path, O Guru, and we are committed to obeying your every command. But today, we feel we have the right to entreat you to heed our words. We want you to leave the mansion tonight. We shall hold the Mughal host at bay for as long as we can, but you must get to safety. At this moment, the greatest victory will be to keep you from falling into the invader's hands. You have already emerged victorious. Forty of your Sikhs have resisted the might of the Mughal army. We have dispatched countless warriors, and we have fought bravely and honorably. Your leaving here will be an even greater act of bravery. The Khalsa is in its infancy, and it needs you. As long as you are safe, the Khalsa shall be safe. We are committed to laying our lives down for you, but please heed our words. We have resolved to bid you farewell. 
the Guru went into a reverie. The love of his Sikhs melted the Guru's heart and his inscrutable face reflected his deep emotions. The loss of Anandpur, the scattering of his family, the death of his beloved Sikhs, the martyrdom of his brave sons, all of this he bore calmly without displaying a trace of emotion. But the love-drenched entreaty of his surviving Sikhs touched him to the core. Gurta arpan lage khal se panch singh te soh shreer Pancho mein nit vartat mein panch mile so peeran peer You are my guru, the guru says, five bodies grand conclave Forever in the five I'll dwell of holy men most high mark grave It was a stunning moment the Guru spoke further, proclaiming the primacy of the five. Gurghar ki maryadda pancho panche pahul purab peen Hoye tanakhaiya bakse pancho pahul de mil panch prabeen Lakho panch ki badbadeyai panch kare so nehfal na cheen Bhojan chadhan panchan arpen arz kare tin banchat leen the house of Nanak in their hands of nectar first the five partake. The wayward by the five forgiven Khalsas does their wisdom make. The glory of the five behold, futile not one step they take. Offerings to the five then make, be thus blessed and thirsty or slake. This was the precise moment in the history of the Sikh faith when its stewardship passed from the Guru to the body of his followers, who would forever be represented by the five. This was nothing more than a reiteration of the philosophy of Guru Nanak and the realization of his vision. The moment was no less significant than the one at which the light of Guru Nanak passed to Guru Angad. The institution of Guruship that this represented was fundamental in the establishment of the Sikh faith. The conferring of the guruship on the five and by extension upon the Sikh panth or faith at large was equally significant and indeed fundamental to the surviving and thriving of the faith of Guru Nanak. Imapanchan ki mehma kehke teen prakarma fir kar deen Arpe Shastra Jiga Ar Kalgi Nijkarte Sir Bandan Keen Shastra Gatre Tab Peherae Kat Kasai Kar Bilam Bihin Sri Vaheguru Jika Khalsa Fate Vaheguru Jiki Cheen. The glory of the five declared circumambulations three weapons and egret bequeaths places on their heads then he with his weapon he then girds waiting there is none to be Khalsar to God consigned ever victorious is his plea. In the years that would follow a new institution named the Sarbat Khalsa or general assembly of all Sikhs would be established for making important decisions for the Sikh Panther nation. The Sarbat Khalsa would be conducted at the Akal Takhat in the presence of the Sikh scripture, the Guru Granth Sahib. The resolution that resulted from the Sarbat Khalsa would be known as the Gurmata, 
literally the Guru's counsel and would be reflective of the temporal authority that Guru Gobind Singh had bestowed upon the Sikh Panth on that day at Chumkor. It was now time for the very first Gurmata. The five had made a decision. The Guru would leave Chumkor under the cover of darkness. He would be accompanied by Pai Taram Singh and Daya Singh, the last two surviving Panjpyare, and Man Singh. The four towers on the walls of the mansion would be manned by Ram Singh, Kehar Singh, Santok Singh, and Deva Singh. The loft of the mansion where Guru Gobind Singh had maintained a very visible presence during the siege would be manned by Santa Singh and Sangat Singh. Sangat Singh, who bore a striking resemblance to the Guru, was attired in the Guru's robes and bore all his accoutrements, thus creating the illusion that the Guru was still at his position in the loft of the mansion. Separated from his three companions, wandered the forests of Machivara alone. In the words of Senapati from Sri Gursoba, Chhod chamkor kartar tahi samay, rupayo dhar dis aur ayo, chhod dhan dham sut band dara sabay, ek ankar ho yo dikhayo, sarv saman chin mein aise taje. भेख निर्वाण के रूप आयो सिंह गोविंद इम फेर रचना रची धरण आकाश ताते टिकायो लेफ्ट बिहाइंड हैज बिनचम कौर एल्सवेयर डज द गुरु गो नो वेल्थ नो वाइफ नो फ्रेंड नो चाइल्ड नन सेव गॉड डज ही नाउ नो इनकम्बरेंसेस ऑल ही हैज शेड अटैचमेंट नन देयर इज टू शो सो एफर्टलेस हिज ग्रैंड डिजाइन स्काई अबव एंड अर्थ बिलो इट सीम टू बी अ स्टनिंग रिवर्सल ऑफ फॉर्च्यून Far from the grandeur of his court and the love of his Sikhs and his family, the Guru went into a deep state of introspection as he literally and figuratively lay on a bed of thorns. Khayal Paath Shahi Dasmi Mitra Piyare Nu Haal Muridda Da Kehna Tud Bin Rog Rajaiyan Da Ordan Naag Nivasa De Rehna सूल सुराही खंजर प्याला बिंग कसाइया दा सैना यारड़े दा सानू सत्थर चंगा भट खेड़िया दा रहना टू दिस डियरेस्ट फ्रेंड ऑफ माइन न्यूज ऑफ हिज डिसाइपल ब्रिंग लोनली कंफर्टलेस माय क्विल्ट माय होम अनसेटल्ड सर्पेंट स्टिंग द फ्लास्क अ थॉर्न द कप अ नाइफ butcher's hatchet painful hurled your humble pallet sweet repose scorching kiln joys of the world the mughal garrison at sarand had got wind of the guru's presence and knowing that he was alone they started combing the forests looking for him in the words of kavi santok singh 
पसरी सेना तुर्क की चै दिश नैपुर ग्राम दस हजार पहुंचो इत गुरखो जन के काम एंड नाउ द माइटी मुगल होस्ट विलेजेस टाउन डायरेक्शन फोर नंबरिंग टेन थाउजेंड सीख द गुरु डोर टू डोर द मुगल आर्मी इंक्लूडेड नबी खान एंड गनी खान टू पठान्स हु हैड इन द पैस्ट सर्व द गुरु एंड वर ऑल्सो सीकिंग हिम डेस्परेटली बाय देन द गुरु हैड सॉट रेफ्यूज इन द होम ऑफ गुलाबा वन ऑफ हिज मसंदस हु लिवड इन द विसिनिटी नबी खान एंड गनी खान अपॉन हियरिंग ऑफ द गुरुज वेयर अबाउट्स hasten to gulaba's home to wait upon him and offer any assistance they could by then gulaba had learned of the manhunt for the guru and he started to fear for the safety of his family nabi khan and ghani khan volunteered to help the guru escape the mughal dragnet a tailor was commissioned to stitch new garments for the guru in a style favored by muslim peers or holy men The Guru's new clothes were dyed blue, as were the clothes that were tailored for his followers who would aid him in his escape. The entire band was now dressed in blue. The Guru threw his long hair back, and Nabi Khan brought him tasbihah or beads that Muslim holy men often bore. The Guru was seated on a cot, which was then picked up by Nabi Khan, Ghani Khan, Taram Singh, and Man Singh. Daya Singh held in his hand a bunch of peacock feathers and the little band set out. When curious onlookers asked, they were told that a most holy Muslim peer from Uch, which falls in Multan, was traveling through the area with his acolytes. The Sayyids of Uch were much respected in the Muslim world and the little party was thronged by the faithful who came to receive the peer's blessings and make offerings when mughal soldiers accosted the party they were given the same explanation and their commander dalail khan hastened to pay his respects as well being of a suspicious nature however the commander insisted that local notables be summoned to certify that the peer was indeed an authentic holy man Qazi Pir Muhammad and Sayyid Inayat Ali were summoned on the Guru's suggestion to verify his credentials. Qazi Pir Muhammad knew Guru Gobind Singh well as he had been his Persian teacher during the Guru's childhood. Without batting an eyelid, the Qazi declared to the commander, "You are truly fortunate that this holiest of holy men hasn't cursed you yet. He is blessed, and whatever he utters, comes to pass Chamkor 
One of the most unequal battles in military history was coming to an end. The tiny band of defenders that remained, including Sangat Singh dressed in the Guru's garb, with his royal agaret on his head, maintained a furious fusillade throughout the night. At daybreak, the Mughal army used ladders to scale the walls of the mansion and launch their final offensive. Hundreds of Mughal soldiers streamed into the mansion. The Sikhs emerged with naked steel and fought bravely, the mansion bloody now with heaps of fallen bodies everywhere. The end, of course, was inevitable. When Khaja Khizr Khan and Dilawar Khan entered the mansion, they were jubilantly presented with the severed heads of Sangat Singh and Sant Singh. We have beheaded the leader of the rebels, they proclaimed, pointing to the agaret that still adorned one of the severed heads. There was much consternation when they realized that the Guru had eluded them. The Guru, still in disguise, proceeded through the countryside. Close to the village of Alamgir, he encountered Nagaya Singh, the older brother of Paimani Singh, who recognized the Guru and promptly saluted him. A trader of horses, Nagaya Singh offered the Guru a horse, which he gratefully accepted and mounted. From there, he proceeded to the village of Silowani, where he was hosted by Rai Kalla, a local chief. When Rai Kalla asked how he could serve the Guru, he was instructed to send someone to Sarand to inquire about his family's whereabouts, as he had had no news of them after the separation at the Sarsa River. Rai Kalla's man returned with a harrowing tale. The Guru's younger sons and his mother had been captured and taken to Sarand. There are many stirring accounts of the bravery of Guru Gobind Singh's younger sons, Baba Fateh Singh and Baba Zoravar Singh, in the face of unprecedented and inexplicable savagery. We started this episode with excerpts from the Ganjay Shahidna, the Marcia written by the late 19th century poet Allah Yar Khan Jogi. We now turn to Shahid Wafa, another Marcia penned by the same poet about the martyrdom of the younger sons of Guru Gobind Singh. Hai zindagi to agle baras likh ke launga, arshad se baf ke marcia sab ko sunaunga, satgur ke gam mein rohunga, tumko rulaunga, darbar naan ki se sila iska paunga, zoravar aur fateh ka is dam bayan suno, Deserted not if by my life I will then write down this tale, flood of noble sentiments, this elegy I shall speak and wail. The Guru's pain will make me weep, to weep with me you will not fail. In the lofty court of Nanak for vengeance I shall cry and rail. Zoravar and Fateh Singh, hark, listen now and heed their tale. Alas, adrift what was their end, let my tale your ears assail. After being separated from Guru Gobind Singh during the skirmish at the Sirsa River, the lads and their grandmother were spirited away, ostensibly to safety by Gangu, 
who had served the Guru's household as a cook at Anandpur. Gangu, however, had treachery in his heart, and he betrayed them, resulting in their arrest and incarceration at Sarand. The poet imagines the conversation between the boys, aged six and nine, who haven't quite grasped the gravity of their situation yet, with their grandmother, Mata Gujri. Jab Rana Ajit Jeet ke tashreef laayenge, Abba ke saath jis ghadi jujhar aayenge, Karke gila har ek se hum root jayenge, Mata kabhi, pita kabhi, bhai vanayenge, Hume gale laga ke kahenge wo bar bar, Maan jau lekin hum nahi maanenge zinhaar. And when our brother Ajit Singh triumphant will return, then our father, brother Jujhar, our back to we will learn. Petulant left all alone, mock anger we will show. Now our fathers, now our mothers, brothers to their love we'll know. Clasp us they will to their chests. Many a time they will this say, forget your sorrow, let it go. Playfully we'll angry stay. A sham of a trial was arranged and the lads were to be produced in a religious court to be judged. Bhaivir Singh describes the scene in Kalgithar Chamatkar. The court was in session. The affluent and the powerful, both Hindus and Muslims, were in attendance. Nawab Wazir Khan, his face scarred and pockmarked by smallpox, with his small shifty eyes presided, when the lads were commanded to bow before him to pay their respects, they declined and stood ramrod straight. Allah Yar Khan Jogi describes the equanimity of the young princes and its effect on the courtiers who had gathered for the trial. Thi pyari surton se suzat baras rahi, nanhi si surton se thi jurrat baras rahi, rukh par nawab ke thi shakavat baras rahi, rajon ke muh pe saaf thi lanat baras rahi, bachon ka rob chha gaya har ik mushir par, larza sa pad gaya tha ameeron wazir par. The faces of the beautiful ones with valor are aglow, the tender faces of the lads determination show, and on the face of Mughal chief turmoil can be seen, all the kings worthy of curses shamefaced their mien, the lads on each courtier deep impression make, chieftains and ministers they tremble and they shake. Nazim ki baat baat par rukne lagi zabaan, खुद को संभाल करके वो कहने लगा के हाँ खावा हो मौत के या तुम्हें चाहिए अमां बतलाओ साफ साफ अब ए आली खानदान इस दम करो कबूल अगर शाह के दीन को फिर आसमां बना दूं तुम्हारी ज़मीन को much perturbed, the Mughal chief, he chokes on every word. With an effort, himself calms to say this, then he's heard. Will you lads choose death today or our protection seek? Science of exalted house, clearly you must speak. If you were to now accept our emperor's own creed, you will be ennobled, yours everything you need.
सतगुर के लाडलो ने दिया रोब से जवाब आती नहीं शर्म है जरा तुझको ए नवाब दुनिया के पीछे करता है क्यों दीन को खराब किस जा लिखा है जुल्म दिखा तो हमें किताब तालीम जोर की कहीं कुरान में नहीं खूबी तुम्हारे शाह के ईमान में नहीं The Guru's beloved sons, oh, their reply so bold. Don't you feel ashamed at all? The Mughal chief they scold. How can you pollute your faith and disrespect such brook? Show us where it's written. Tyranny permits your book. Forced conversion never does. Quran Sharif allow. Bereft of faith and honor. Your king is we know now. The lads continued to speak boldly, rejecting all of Vazir Khan's efforts to cajole them into giving up the faith of their forefathers. When they were threatened that they would be executed, they calmly responded that death would come to all someday, and they were eager to embrace the eternal happiness that awaited them in the hereafter. There was pandemonium in the court. The courtiers were astonished and dazzled by the bravery of the lads and looked upon them in awe, their admiration apparent. Vazir Khan's brow darkened. He looked from one courtier to another, but wherever he turned, he encountered downcast eyes. The trial, which was meant to be a mere formality, had taken an unexpected turn and Vazir Khan looked mightily perturbed and then a voice was heard it was divan suchanand vazir khan's minister who happened to be hindu kya khoob hai nawab bhi baaton mein aa gaye us but shikan ke bachchon ki ghaton mein aa gaye sardar ho ke aap bhi laaton mein aa gaye sambhalo kahin zawal ke haathon mein aa gaye कहते हैं ये बुरा शाए हिंदुस्तान को तुम देखते हो रहम से क्यों इनकी जान को वर फिटी माई लॉर्ड दैट इवन यू अस्ट्रे हैव बिन बाई देर वर्ड्स लेड दैट आइडोलेटर हुम वी हेट द क्लेवर वर्ड्स ऑफ स्पॉन हीज ब्रेड ऑल ऑफ यू यू माइटी मैन लुक एट हैव दीज लैड सब डू Be wary, lords, be careful now, for headed are to calamity you. Insolent, these lads, you see, slander and scorn our mighty king. Why, oh why, do tell me, pray, compassion to your eyes you bring. Manzoor jab ke saap ke sar bhi ko tod na, beja hai fir to bachaye afai ka chhod na, dasve guru ka hai jo khazana batoor na, bachchon ki pehle baap se gardan maroor na, nazim tha ye layin ki baaton mein aa gaya, be mehr be dharm ki tha ghaaton mein aa gaya. Surely, lords, we all agree, shattered head of snakes should be. Why on earth then spare its spawn? Do not set these children free. The Guru tenth we aim to beat. Relieve him of his treasure too. Ring their necks first, I do say. Surely will his ruin ensue. Mughal chief, he now takes heart. 
hangs upon the devil's creed, heartless, holy, and impure. From scruples all he is now freed. Divan Suchanan's malicious words had their desired effect. The courtier started to nod in agreement. The lads, already rebellious and fearless at their young age, would surely grow up to become formidable foes. Nawab Wazir Khan turned to Nawab Sher Muhammad Khan of Malair Kotla, whose brother had been killed in battle by Guru Gobind Singh. These are the children of the man who killed your beloved brother. The time for revenge has come. Sher Muhammad Khan looked at Wazir Khan in disbelief. They are children, innocent children. What have they done? My brother fell honorably in battle, and in battle he shall be avenged. These children must be released. Killing them in cold blood will besmirch Islam. The murder of innocence is never condoned by the Sharia. Nawab Wazir Khan was unmoved. He decreed that the lads would be bricked alive. Hand in hand the lads are seen, tender saplings too. Glory of the truth eternal, tongues proclaim they do. Faces calm, no trace of fear, nor astonishment alarm. They approach the cusp of death, no fear of earthly harm. Even as they live and breathe, innocence bricked alive. I stay until the set of sun, assassins will not thrive. Hum jaan de ke auron ki jaane bacha chale. Sikhi ki neev hum hai siron par utha chale. Guriyai ka hai kissa jahaan mein bana chale. Singhon ki saltanat ka hai pauda laga chale. Gaddi se taajo takht bas ab qom paayegi. Dunia se zalimon ka nishan tak mitaayegi. By giving our lives today, countless lives we'll save. To our faith's foundation, bolster with our heads we gave. Tale of glory, exaltation, in this world we wrought. This sapling of sovereignty to life we now have brought. Today what is our holy seat? Yield one day will throne and crown. Of tyrants there will be no trace. Each one of them we will bring down. Thodib tak eete chun di gahi, muh tak a gahi. Bini ke dhafte hi wo aankhon pichha gahi. Har chand si javin ko ghan sa lag gahi. Lakhte jigar guru ke wo dono chupa gahi. Jogi ji iske baad hui thodi deer thi. Basti sarand shahar ki eeton ka dheer thi. The wall of bricks reaches their chins, and at their mouths it's now. Still it creeps, covers the nose, reaches now eye, eyebrow. Oh, verily an eclipse dark on moon-like brows is seen. Fragments of the Guru's heart 
hidden or from sight unseen. Says Yogi, now mark my words, it will happen, you shall see. Settlement that is Sirhand, just a pile of bricks will be. Baba Fateh Singh and Baba Zoravar Singh lay lifeless. As the enormity of what he had wrought started to sink in, Nawab Wazir Khan left the scene trembling. Todarmal, a beloved Sikh of Guru Gobind Singh's, had rushed to Srand when he had learned of the young princess's capture, desperate to help in some manner. But by the time he arrived, it was all over. His heart heavy, he visited Mother Gujri and told her of the fate of her young grandsons. The brave old woman, who had shown tremendous resilience in the face of terrible hardships her entire life, could take it no more. Her soul left her body. It was left to Todarmal to cremate the Guru's mother and his young sons. Before we continue with our tale, I would like to take a small detour and visit a time almost 250 years in the future. In her work, sharing saints, shrines and stories, practicing pluralism in North India, Anne Bigelow writes about Malayar Kotla. Malayar Kotla is distinguished as a place that resisted the bloodshed and destruction that devastated Punjab during the partition of India in 1947. Of all the assembled allies of Wazir Khan, the Mughal governor of Sarand, Sher Muhammad Khan of Malayar Kotla was the only one who spoke up in the children's defense. He declared that their quarrel was with the father and not the sons, and that their lives should be preserved. He went so far as to declare the death sentence un-Islamic and violating the acceptable rules of combat. Although the appeal was unsuccessful and the Guru's sons were killed, this is by far the single most moment in Malayar Kotla's history. Nawab Sher Muhammad's moment of honor and compassion was to pay great dividends generations later. There is a strong belief among the residents of Malayar Kotla that the Hada Nara, or cry of protest of Nawab Sher Muhammad Khan in 1704, and Guru Gobind Singh's subsequent blessing, was directly responsible for the peace that prevailed in the town in 1947. It seems almost miraculous that while the rest of the Punjab was racked by the fury of bloodletting that accompanied partition, the Muslim residents of Malayar Kotla emerged unscathed, despite being hemmed in by a hostile Sikh and Hindu population. Despite the cruel loss of all his surviving sons and his mother, Guru Gobind Singh moved from village to village, gathering his surviving Sikhs around him. 
he continued to initiate many more into the ranks of the Khalsa wherever he went. He was seeking a place where he could once again establish a stronghold and continue the mission of Guru Nanak that he had been entrusted with. Nawab Wazir Khan got wind of his activities and put together a force intent on breaking the back of the Sikhs once and for all. He had sent his force to the thickly forested territory where the Brar tribe lived, as he had been informed by spies that the Guru was in that area. Wazir Khan's host finally caught up with the Sikhs at the village of Kidrana by a pool that was surrounded by thickets and woods. Unbeknownst to the Mughal force, the Guru had got wind of their approach and the Sikhs were ready. The Guru encamped at a hillock to the west of the pool and summoned his commanders to a war council. A band of Sikhs from the Maja region, further to the west, had arrived at Kidrana seeking the Guru. Aware of the impending approach of the Mughal soldiers, they had entrenched themselves on the eastern side of the pool and lay in wait. Their intent was to engage the Mughal host and protect the Guru at all costs. Behind them, sheets were spread on bushes to convey the impression that they were defending a large encampment consisting of many tents. As the Mughal cavalry launched itself at what it thought was the Guru's encampment, the Majel Six unleashed a deadly barrage of bullets and arrows punching a huge hole in the Mughal ranks. Wazir Khan's troops retreated in the face of the onslaught to regroup, unaware of the tiny size of the defending force. The entrenchment on low ground kept the Majels well hidden, and they continued to shower bullets and arrows at the enemy, drawing their return fire. When it finally dawned upon Wazir Khan that the Guru was not present and his army was facing a tiny band, he ordered a full-scale attack. A fierce wave of naked steel greeted the Mughal soldiers as the Majel Six unsheathed their swords and fiercely launched themselves at the enemy. Once again, the Mughals were forced to retreat and the badly injured Majels melted into the woods and underbrush. Wazir Khan summoned his lieutenant Kapura, who was from the area, and who had guided him to Kidrana in pursuit of the Guru. He had suffered terrible losses. The heat was terrible and his soldiers were thirsty. Kapura informed him that the only drinkable water within miles was the pond that lay before them, but to reach the water, they would have to engage the six once again. Kapura made a strong case for retreat. The Guru, he said, must already be miles away. You have already lost so many. Why risk further losses? Wazir Khan took his host and slunk away. When the Guru arrived at the pool, he saw a terrible sight. His faithful Majel Six lay dead. The bloody corpses of Mughal soldiers heaped around each Sikh told the story of their valor. At the edge of the pool, the Guru was astonished to find a woman who was dressed like a warrior and had clearly suffered many wounds in the battle that had just ended. Her name was Pag Kaur, and she has been immortalized in Sikh lore as Mai Pago. 
The gallant Majels were the very men who had abandoned the Guru during the siege of Anandpur. They were the ones who had written a declaration of abrogation, known as the Bidava, and had shamefacedly left his presence. The Guru's eyes welled up as Bhagkor told him their tale. When the men returned home, they were fiercely rebuked by their women for abandoning the Guru. Bhagkor challenged the men to return to the Guru's side to redeem their honor, and when they demurred, she readied herself for battle. The band of forty Majels were galvanized, and with Bhagkor, they headed east to the Malva region where the Guru was rumored to be. They had just arrived in time as Vazir Khan's horde was approaching Kidrana. Tears in his eyes, the Guru went from one fallen Sikh to another, tenderly wiping the blood off their faces and tending to them as if they had been his own sons fallen in battle. He came upon a warrior who lay gasping, clearly on his last breath. The Guru cradled his head and gave him a palm full of water, which the man drank gratefully. His name was Mahasingh, and he was the leader of the Majhels. He gazed upon the Guru incredulously, like a dying man who has just discovered the fountain of eternal life. My brave son, said the Guru, ask what you wish. Tell me, what can I give you? Mahasingh mustered the last few ounces of strength he had left and entreated the Guru. Oh, my true king, I have been blessed by beholding your face before I pass. I have no desires left. But if it pleases you, I shall beg for one thing. Please rip the accursed letter of abrogation that my companions and I signed in a moment of weakness and admit us back into the fold. The Guru produced the Bhadava and ripped it into shreds. Mahasingh's face was suffused with joy, and a great peace fell upon him. The forty brave Majhels became to be known as the Chali Mukte, or the forty liberated ones. They have been immortalized in the Sikh Ardas or communal prayer, which marks every Sikh gathering happy or sad. The pool at Kidrana, the site of their gallant stand, has become known as Muktasar, or the Pool of Liberation. the battle of Muktasar, the Guru wandered for a while, collecting his followers around him, and then settled down at Talwandi Sabu, which became to be known as Damdama Sahib. Sikhs started flocking to his side, and his court was established there. A new recension of the Guru Granth Sahib was prepared at the Guru's instruction by Pai Mani Singh, and the writings of Guru Teg Bahadur were incorporated. Damdama Sahib would become a great center of Sikh learning. To this day, it is known as Guru Ki Kashi, 
a reference to the holy city of Varanasi, which has been a center of learning for centuries. The Guru spent about a year at Talwandi Sabu. It was a time of rebuilding. Thousands joined the ranks of the Khalsa and a remarkable body of literature was produced. The Guru and the Khalsa seem to have emerged from a severe trial. The tribulations of Anandpur, Chamkor, Sarand, Machiwara and Muktasar would never be forgotten. But instead of tragedies, they would become enduring symbols of the resilience of the faith of Guru Nanak. already talked about the Zafarnama or Epistle of Victory that Guru Gobind Singh wrote to Aurangzeb. In the letter, the Guru boldly addressed the perfidy of Aurangzeb and his commanders, who reneged on their promise of safe passage to the Guru and his Sikhs, and then attacked even his family in the most shameful manner. In an essay titled Sirand in the 18th Century, that appeared in the anthology Saran Through the Ages, edited by Dr. Fodja Singh, the eminent historian Dr. Ganda Singh has this to say about the dispatch of the Zafarnamba and the emperor's response. The letter was sent to the emperor through one of the guru's most trusted associates, by Daya Singh. The emperor responded favorably and sent a royal firman or command through Muhammad Beg Gurzbardar and Sheikh Yar Muhammad Mansabdar, who accompanied Daya Singh back to the Punjab. In the meantime, the Guru had already left Talwandi Sabu on October 30, 1706 for the Deccan. He had already waited for several months for Daya Singh to return and had no news of his mission to the Emperor. The Guru met with Daya Singh in Bagor, Rajasthan and learned that Aurangzeb had passed away. There was now no imperative for him to travel further south, and he returned to the Punjab. He was in Delhi when the heir to the throne, Prince Muazzam, arrived to press his claim and defend it against his rebellious brother, Prince Azim. When Muazzam asked Guru Gobind Singh for assistance, the Guru magnanimously sent a detachment of Sikhs under the command of Kuldeepak Singh to his aid during the Battle of Jijau. Muazzam prevailed and ascended to the Mughal throne as Bahadur Shah. On July 23, 1707, the Guru was invited to the Emperor's court at Agra and heaped with honors. The Guru stayed in the vicinity of Agra for a while, writing letters to the Khalsa in the Punjab, asking them to remain alert and to prepare to meet him in Kehlur upon his return. Evidently, he was planning on re-establishing himself and his followers in Anandpur. Bahadur Shah eyed the prospect of renewed hostilities between the Guru and the Hill Rajas with some alarm. The Guru was hugely popular and had a large following all over the Punjab and was hence important. On the other hand, the Hill Rajas had been faithful vassals, but if they were offended, they were capable of being a nuisance to the emperor's commanders in the Punjab. Facing rebellions in various parts of his empire, Bahadur Shah tried to carefully negotiate the complexities of the political situation in Punjab 
in order to avoid a conflagration there. In the words of Dr. Grewal and Dr. Bull, he was wise enough to realize that the Guru's awkward presence near the court was preferable to his dangerous freedom in the Punjab. In November 1707, the Emperor started a military campaign in Rajasthan and invited the Guru to accompany him. For the next 10 months, the Guru and his followers, all armed, maintained a presence near the Emperor's camp. When the Emperor's army started to move towards Hyderabad to quell a rebellion by his younger brother, Prince Kambaksh, the Guru and his followers accompanied it as well, halting in many towns and villages on the way to minister to communities of his followers and attracting large crowds wherever he went. In September 1708, the Guru and his entourage arrived in Nanded on the banks of the Godavari River. The Guru selected a spot overlooking the river and established a community there. News of his arrival spread and Sikhs started flocking to his side. Large assemblies were arranged in the morning and in the evening, a group of taddis or bards led by Nath Mal would sing heroic ballads. The Guru had a memorable meeting with a hermit named Madhodas Beragi, whose hermitage was nearby, also on the banks of the Godavari. Madhodas was initiated into the ranks of the Khalsa and given the name Bandasing. In the meantime, Nawab Vazir Khan of Sirand was starting to get increasingly nervous. When he had brutally murdered the Guru's younger sons, the Guru had been alone, friendless, and an outlaw in the eyes of his overlord Aurangzeb. Now he had been honored by Bahadur Shah and had spent a long time in the company of the emperor. Feeling that retribution was inevitable, Vazir Khan decided to act. Ataullah Khan and Jimshed Khan, two Pathan brothers, were recruited and sent to the Deccan. The brothers arrived at Nandir and infiltrated the Guru's camp, since all were welcome to the Guru's encampment and there were often Pathans in the Guru's employ, the brothers didn't attract much attention and managed to blend in as they bided their time. It was the evening of September 20th, 1708. Several of the Guru's Sikhs were away from the encampment visiting the nearby town and many were engaged in evening prayers. The brothers decided to act. As Ataullah Khan stood guard outside, Jamshed Khan, dagger in hand, crept into the tent and, hands trembling, stabbed the Guru in the abdomen. Despite the gaping wound that was bleeding copiously, the Guru grabbed his sword and felled the assassin as he called out to his Sikhs. Several Sikhs came running and fell upon Ataullah Khan, who was trying to escape. The Sikhs were aghast when they saw the Guru's bloodied garments, but he asked them to stay calm and summon Amar Singh, one of his Sikhs, to stitch and dress the wound. When the Emperor heard of the terrible attack, he promptly dispatched his personal physician, an Italian named Nicolao Manucci, to attend to the Guru. There was great joy in Nandir as the Guru seemed to be on the mend. The daily assemblies continued.
The joy was not to last very long. On October 6, 1708, the Guru summoned his followers and indicated that his journey was coming to an end. The day was spent in prayer. Hymns or shabads were sung and Guru Ka Langar was prepared. There was much consternation in the ranks of the Sikhs. There was no clear heir apparent, which was a disquieting thought. After all, what is a Sikh without his Guru? From the time of Guru Nanak, when Pailana was anointed the second Guru, a tradition had been in place. Before departing the world, the Guru would unequivocally indicate the Chosen One, responsible for the stewardship of the house of Guru Nanak after him. What would Guru Gobind Singh do? The Guru smiled, at peace, and addressed his Sikhs. My dear Sikhs, fear not. I would never leave you desolate. I will leave you in the custody of a Guru who will be timeless and eternal. This Guru will provide you with guidance and succor in all circumstances. A Guru who shall view every Sikh as one, and who will be bereft of all vices, and who will fulfill your every desire without ever expecting anything in return. The Guru commanded that the granth that had been prepared at Damdama Sahib be opened, bowed before it, and placed five paise and a coconut before it as an offering. He circumambulated the granth four times, and touched his forehead to the ground before it in obeisance, and then he proclaimed, Agya bhaiya kaal ki tabhe chalayo panth, sab sikhan ko hukm hai, guru maneo granth, guru granth ji maneo pragat gura ki de, jo prabko mil bocha hai, khoj shabad mein le. The timeless one himself decreed, and then thus this faith was born, Every Sikh I now command to follow the book you have been sworn. Lead you shall this holy book in which the Gurus verily dwell to meet the one if you desire to seek him here you would do well. The Guru's beloved poet, Pai Nandalal, records the Guru's instructions further in his Rehatanama. तीन रूप है मोह को सुनो नंद चित लाए निर्गुण सर्गुण गुर शब्द हैं कहे तो समझाए इन दीज फॉर्म्स ऑल थ्री आई ड्वेल ओ नंदलाल टेक हीड फॉर्मलेस कॉर्पोरल एंड द वर्ड हर्क आई हैव डिक्रीड एक रूप तह गुण ते परे नेते नेत जह निगम उचरे घट घट व्यापक अंतर जामी पूर रहो ज्यो जल घट पानी One form is mysterious, the holy books do say, Everywhere dwells the divine, like water in a pot does lay. जो सिख गुर दर्शन की चाह, दर्शन करे ग्रंथ की आह, मेरा रूप ग्रंथ जी जान, इसमें भेत नहीं कुछ मान. He who wants to me behold, to the granth then let them turn, know it to be mine own form, we are the same, O oh, may he learn. Tisar roop sikha hai mor, gurbani rat jai nisbhor, my final form there is one more, 
each and every sick of mine day and night who is imbued and does with the word align. The mission of Guru Nanak had been completed. The egalitarian ideals and the compassionate worldview of Guru Nanak had been cemented forever in the faith that he had created. By anointing the Guru Granth Sahib as the everlasting Guru of the Sikhs, Guru Gobind Singh had truly rendered the faith of Guru Nanak eternal. The body of divine wisdom that the Guru Granth Sahib encapsulated would forever guide the Sikhs spiritually. In an act of sheer genius, temporal authority would vest collectively in the faith at large, represented by institutions such as the Panjpyare and the Gurmata, which, like the Guru Granth Sahib, would be everlasting. The Story of the Six is written and narrated by Sarpreet Singh, author of the poem Kultar's Mine, which was adapted for the stage and tells the story of the massacre of the Six in Delhi in 1984. His second book, The Camel Merchant of Philadelphia, set in the court of Maharaja Ranjit Singh, was recently published. Both are available on Amazon. The Story of the Six is produced by Almast Media. Our theme music is a rendition of a traditional Sikh hymn by the late Bai Avtar Singh. This episode features a rendition of Raga Madhukons on flute by the Indian classical maestro Steve Gorn. The episode features a Shabad or hymn sung by Bai Ghulam Mohammed Chand Rababi and his ensemble. The account of the Battle of Chamkor, excerpted from the Zafarnama, are read by Dr. Banush Hajan. Season 2 of Story of the Six is sponsored by the Chardi Kala Foundation, the Sawney Family Foundation, and Manpreet Kaur and Ishdeep Singh. I'm co-producer and audio engineer, Erica Wong. This concludes Season 2 of The Story of the Six. We hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed putting it together. Season 3 will focus on the 18th century, during which the character of the Six was forged in a time of great turbulence. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, yeah, yeah.